0: Hello, and welcome to episode two of the War Movie Podcast. My name is Mark, and in this episode, we are going to be talking about the 1998 film The Thin Red Line, directed by Terrence Malick and produced, in part, by 20th Century Fox. Before, however, we get into an analysis of of not only the movie The Thin Red Line but some of the history behind The Thin Red Line I just wanted to share a very brief story the first two screenplays that I ever wrote very first screenplay in fact that I ever wrote I was 14 years old and I wrote a story about the Vietnam War it was basically a Vietnam War film because I really liked Platoon and of course I had absolutely no business writing about the Vietnam War when I was 14 years old but I made a little story about a platoon of soldiers going up a hill that was kind of like Platoon and kind of like another movie called Hamburger Hill. And needless to say, going back and reading that today, it's pretty atrocious. However, my second attempt was a World War II movie that ended up just being an homage of different war movies that I actually liked. So I'm not sure if anyone's ever read a book called The Naked and the Dead written by Norman Mailer. He was a soldier in the United States Army. He was in the Cavalry and um, like James Jones, who I'm going to talk about today, he had an experience in the Second World War which led to him publishing this novel called The Naked and the Dead. This is Norman Mailer. And I read this book when I was maybe, I don't know, 25 years old and it was a, a time in my life where I was leaving an organization. The Naked and the Dead inspired me and so I wrote a screenplay that was an homage to that plus all the war movies that I grew up loving Um, and that one I'm actually wouldn't say I'm proud of Uh, the dialogue is atrocious but at least I tried and I got 115 pages now let's get back to the thin red line (laughs) so the thin red line was a movie that I actually saw in the theaters in January of 1999 which the actual film release date uh, is is December of 1998 but it was then and released to the public in January of 99. Back then, I was in 11th grade, and I remember going with a friend to watch this movie. Now, that previous summer, we had both, my friend and I, had our lives changed by watching film called Saving Private Ryan in the theater. And, and in my opinion, I would say that while I don't love the movie, this, uh, Saving Private Ryan, I think it's a very good film. The Omaha beach landing scene is probably the greatest combat scene ever put to film. Going into The Thin Red Line, I had very low expectations and I felt bored coming out. However, after watching this film over again and learning about the history, not only behind the book, but behind James Jones himself, and then the larger campaign, the book, The Thin Red Line and movie is based off of, I began to get more inspired and wanted to learn more about history, particularly in the United States Army during World War II, and of course, in the Pacific. So let's just start with the basics. The Thin Red Line was directed by Terrence Malick, and Terrence Malick took 20 years to develop this film. At one point, he had talked to Tom Cruise and Matthew McConaughey about joining the cast. There's many different reasons why it took 20 years, and I'm not going to get into all of that, but part of it was financing, and also part of it was the fact that the script had gone through many different variations. However, it all came together in 1997, 19 years after Terrence Malick had essentially made a feature film. And they got financing from 20th Century Fox as well as a, a couple of uh, Asian and European financers. Now, what's interesting about this film is it had this really amazing cast, so very much an ensemble. Uh, Sean Penn, Adrian Brody, Jim Caviezel, John Travolta, Nick Nolte, Woody Harrelson, John C. Riley, and George Clooney, just to name a few. Now, if you're thinking... You've seen this movie, and you you know that you know John Travolta and George Clooney are only in cameos. Well, when you have a, a man like Terrence Malick come back after 20 years to making a feature film, many people, of course, want to work with him, and this is exactly what happened. Now, I also want to get a little bit into the plot. And so the plot of this movie uh, comes from the book, and that's the first thing we should note, of course, is that The thin red line is an adaptation so the book was written by the aforementioned james jones it was published in 1962 jones himself served in the united states army in the pacific theater during the second world war and was a soldier during what was called the battle of guadalcanal and the solomon islands in late 1942 until early 1943. And this is the Thin Red Line. This is the setting. Now, there's a lot more to the Thin Red Line than just the soldiers. Now, that doesn't necessarily appear in the book, which is the reverence and the symbolism of nature. All of that, plus many voiceovers, were actually added by Malik himself. And so he ended up taking the essence of the book and making it more poetic and more romantic and that's probably one of the things that makes me respect what Malik did to this because it is not really a adaptation as much as it is a poetic interpretation of the novel. Now again to go back to some history, who are the soldiers and what are the, what are they doing in Guadalcanal? Guadalcanal, which is this very interesting word, Okay, as I mentioned, is in, is in the Solomon Islands, which is in the South Pacific, uh, located uh, northeast of Australia. And in August 7th of 1942, elements of the U.S. 1st Marine Division landed. And why the Allies, particularly the American Marine Corps, were going after Guadalcanal was because of an area called Henderson Airfield. And Henderson Airfield had the capacity for Japanese bombers to reach Australia and other parts of the uh, the South Pacific. And so that would have been able to, for example, to cut the trade routes between Hawaii and Australia. So this was a, one of the very first operations that involved Marines. And in fact, I believe it was one of the first battles. Now, to give a little geography here, Henderson Airfield was on the north central side of the island, which is where the elements of the 1st Marine Division landed again on August the 7th, 1942. The island itself is over 2,000 squared miles, which means that even though they landed close to Henderson Airfield and took it relatively sooner after they landed, they still had you know, at least, what, uh, 1,800 uh, squared miles or more to go through. And this is where we also find the thin red line. To tie it back to the film, one of the things that makes this book so gripping is its visceral use of combat, which in the film Terrence Malick just used beautifully. I mean, the book is very descriptive about combat. People dying. I mean, there's people dying in war and there's officers who refuse to let their soldiers go out on missions that will potentially, you know, kill them because they're very sensitive. And so, again, this poetic interpretation of this novel is that we get to enjoy this beautiful landscape, having soldiers sort of pass through them, you know, like ghosts, for example. And it's just a really, really interesting thing because, like In the real battle for Guadalcanal, the Japanese were dug in heavily, and they were dug into all different kinds of positions and all different kinds of grounds, jungles, hills, beaches, valleys, plantations, wherever that they could build a hole, they built a hole. And so you can imagine, sometimes soldiers literally had no other choice but to rush a position head on, and oftentimes they were in the low ground. And I'm obviously referencing the very first combat scene because it doesn't happen until the second act of The Thin Red Line. So once that combat scene comes, you know, this is the reality of war. And I think it's extremely beautiful. After that, I think it's interesting to bring up the combat and how this film is kind of tied to Saving Private Ryan. And even though maybe it shouldn't be because I do think it can stand on its own, it's definitely an issue that comes to fruition. This movie came out so close just within a matter of months of Saving Private Ryan. And I'm constantly interested in comparing the two different beach scenes. As I mentioned earlier, one of the most amazing aspects of Saving Private Ryan is the realism and the brutality in those first 25 minutes on Omaha Beach. Well, if you've ever seen The Thin Red Line, you know that when the soldiers land in the South Pacific on the beaches, They do it relatively unscathed, and it's not until the second act of the movie when the soldiers, again, literally have to run at a machine gun position, and that's like an entire company that's, what, 120 men plus. Um, That's when we get the combat. Saving Private Ryan, the combat is up front. You have to wait for it in the thin red line. So when you watch Saving Private Ryan, the very first scene has to do with the the old man and his family, but once they flash back to D-Day, the soldiers are already in their landing crafts. What I really liked and appreciated about the Thin Red Line was that they showed how the troops actually get onto those landing crafts, which is that they had to go over the side to a mesh rope and then climb down into the landing craft. After that, I think what's really cool about the Thin Red Line is its poetic kind of romantic feel. They... Continuously play with the the score, uh, Melanesian music, Christian Melanesian cultural music, which is very poetic and beautiful in their you know native tongues and in their Creole languages. I think it's a masterful film. The cinematography is absolutely breathtaking. The colors are bright and vibrant, and yet the brutality that war is doing to this amazing landscape is really shown through this you know, amazing cinematography. I think the meditations on meaning and beauty and God and faith and nature are really fantastic. I think it's a very, very deep film with really great performances and great moments. Um, I'm a big fan of Woody Harrelson. So Woody Harrelson's death scene, which was whose name is Sergeant Keck, is pretty interesting and uh, really kind of a turning point. And, you know, he's kind of an antagonist, but you see the fact that he's got some, you know, me- some soul to him. And it's just, for example, is kind of an impactful death. There's uh, some amazing quotes that I think are really, you know, interesting in this one. Like, war turns men into dogs, poisons the soul. There's a gentleman named Private Train who's a mortarman. He he says things will get worse before they get better. And that's how he knows that his future is going to get better. Um, In the end, there's kind of this weird separation, I feel, between Island and the landing craft. And there's also a lot of really interesting themes in this film. Compassion and cynicism, brutality. In the book, uh, the captain, his name is Captain Stein and who's a company commander and he's Jewish in the film it's Captain Staros who is of Greek origin some of the combat scenes are also compressed so I'll just give you an example I actually consider this one of my favorite combat scenes of all time too is the scene in which Captain Gaff who's played by John Cusack takes uh, a couple men up to a rock he's with Corporal Queen private wit private doll and they and they attack the bunker and they they take it out that is actually in the book a couple of different scenes and characters go up a Couple times you know so they've compressed a couple scenes like that also Fife has a really interesting story Corporal Fife Adrian Brody is not very much in the movie and doesn't say a lot of lines but he has this relationship with private first-class bead they're both um, company clerks that relationship is not discussed in the movie or shown in the movie although they did film scenes and those who may or may not know the first cut of this film that Malick made was notoriously long I think something like six or seven hours And he took out people who had filmed cameos like uh, Mickey Rourke, Donald Lowe, Galukas Haas, Bill Pullman, Martin Sheen, Billy Bob Thornton. And of course, not all of those were on screen. Some of those were voiceovers. So in the end, The Thin Red Line tells a fictional story. The Battle for Guadalcanal was really the first operation where American Marines and Japanese soldiers found each other in combat for the first time. And it wasn't just jungles and beaches that they were protecting it was this island was actually incredibly important to victory in the pacific and that's why they went after it first and one final anecdote is that the soldiers in the thin red line serve in the u.s army's 25th infantry division the soldiers in my favorite movie of all time platoon also serve in the 25th infantry division two different wars but the same division, one serving from 1942 to 1945 in the South Pacific and the other serving in the late 1960s, platoon specifically being 1967-1968 in Vietnam. And that is all for episode two on the Thin Red Line. I hope you enjoy it. I also highly recommend the Blu-ray Criterion collection. Thank you very much. This is Mark Turi and I'll be with you next week.